So as Mike mentioned, we're going to do a skit in a couple of weeks here. And um, I love this game. And when I tell you I love this game, I mean I love it. I don't follow it as much as I used to because I have kids now. But I love the game of baseball. Mike has played t-ball for a season. He's in soccer right now. But the funny thing about baseball is it's kind of unique as a sport. It's one of very few sports that we know that is not governed by a clock. It is finite. It will end. The game will come to an end. But it's not governed by a clock. So, for example, the first inning could be an hour long. Second inning could be 20 minutes. It all depends on how the game plays out. All right? The game of baseball <clears throat> dictates perfection. If you hang a curveball, you're not likely to see that ball again. Especially if the guy at the plate is doing what he's supposed to be doing and paying attention and focusing. You're talking about a game of inches, okay? Strike zone's only about the size of the plate itself, depending on the size of the, the batter, okay? And so if you miss it by two inches and the guy connects on it, you're not likely to see that baseball again. That's going to be in the stands somewhere. If you're not paying attention and you take a step forward, if you're an outfielder, they teach you that your first step on a fly ball should be back and then charge in. If you take a step, one step forward and the ball shoots and it's a line drive, it's going to go over your head. It is almost impossible to recover. If anybody here has ever played baseball, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, you take a step forward in the outfield and the ball is hit on a line drive on a rope, you're not going to catch it. You're not going to catch You're not going to be able to turn around and gain the speed that you need to. It dictates perfection. Even the greatest that we know, <clears throat> they've had uh, more failures than successes. Do you realize that in baseball, you can be considered good at what you do and fail more than you succeed? A batting average of 300, for example, that's a pretty solid batting average. 300 out of, say, 1,000. About 1,000, you hit it every time, right? 3 out of 10, and you're still considered better than average, okay? 3 out of time, uh, 3 out of 10. <clears throat> so the game of baseball, it really does not l lend itself to much forgiveness. Paul describes the law in this way. The law demands perfection. There is no in-between when it comes to the law. You either obey it or you don't, okay? It's kind of black and white in that way. This was the problem that our Pharisees had, our teachers of the law. They held to the letter of the law so hard that they set themselves up for failure because you're never going to be able to obey the law. What we're talking about this morning, and I love it because nobody knew what I was preaching on except for Mike, and he found that out yesterday. So I love when the worship basically preaches a sermon for me. But we're going to talk about grace today, and it's something simple, and yet it's something so profound, and I think it's going to cause us today, and I can prove it, and I hope that I will prove it at some point this morning, okay? It's going to dictate an action on our part, okay? All these different truths that we talk about, that we profess to hold as Christians and believers in Christ, okay? At some point this morning, you're going to come to a place of decision, Okay? For some of us, it's going to be the decision to follow Christ for the first time or afresh again. I've not really been following him. I gave my life to him so many years ago, but you're going to come to a place of decision. You're going to have to decide, are you going to try to be perfect or are you going to let grace do what its job is? And are you going to accept the grace that Christ offers, okay? Mickey Mantle struck out 1,700 times in his career. I forget how many at-bats it was, but it was less than 10,000 <clears> in his career. A lot of these guys went off to war, so they'd be missing from the game for several years. Um, but did you also know that and these, are, these are guys that we would consider great in the, in the sport of baseball. Uh, Jackie Robinson, one of the fastest players that, I, that I've ever heard of, uh, but he was caught stealing almost 30% of the time that he stole. That's a pretty high failure rate. You know, you got to figure one in every three times he steals, he's going to get caught. That's a pretty high failure rate. Uh, Willie Mays, another quick guy, 25%. Another high failure rate. These are the greats that we talk about. So baseball unique in and of itself because um, it just it demands perfection. In 1995, now I was a wee tyke. 
I, th- I think I remember, you know, vaguely about it, but there was a strike that happened for a couple of weeks in professional baseball. And professional baseball, it, it also included the minor leagues because that's where all your players would come from. They still come from this day. So your organizations that do well this day have a good farm league. They raise the players up in the minor leagues and bring them over when they're ready. It's a lot that you have to get sharpened in because, again, the game demands perfection. But in 1995, there was a strike. So all the major league players were like, they were, they were on strike. They weren't going to play. The minor league players as well. So team owners and general managers went out and got, they were like scab players. They were players that they wouldn't make the cut any other way, shape, or form. There's nothing about them that said they belonged in the big leagues, okay? Uh, be a guy like, you know, guy like me. You know, your, a- your average guy that loves to play the game, and he plays like he loves it, does all right, but there's really nothing spectacular that would put me in the major leagues. But for lack of a body, they went out and they got these other players, and they had a chance to play for a couple of weeks until the strike ended. <clears throat> this is kind of like who we are, and we're going to have to accept that. We gotta stop trying not to. Uh, we gotta stop trying not to be those people. We think that we have to be a certain person or a certain way in order to be in God's kingdom, and that's the first lie, the first deception that we're gonna run into. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter five. Again, a simple message, but the point so much this morning is not gonna be the the message because I feel like we all know the message. Even if you don't know Christ, you've probably heard it, right? But it's going to be that place of decision. Romans chapter 5, the first 11 verses. I'm reading from the NASB. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proving character, and proving character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who, has, who was given to us. For while we were still, still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. I'm going to stop there. <clears throat> I think the NIV or some of the other translations translate it better, but when it talks about our introduction by faith, that's what Mike was talking about in his prayer, that we have access. We have access to God. Grace brings with it blessings, things that God knew we were going to need. And it brings with it these things that he knew that we were never going to be able to obtain in and of ourselves on our own. We were never going to be perfect enough. So he had to give it to us. And he had to secure it for us. And this is what Paul is trying to lay out here in Romans He's trying to lay out, grace is so amazing. Grace is like a a gift, right? And it's like a box that that contains a gift. And every time you need, you reach in the box and you pull it out, and there it is. Every time you need it, it's right there. Because you're never going to know specifically what it is you're going to need until the moment requires it. And so you have it there, and you can choose to use it or not. I used to joke around with Katie and Joe <clears throat> friends of mine, they used to come to the church a while back. Many of you, you know, may not know who they are, but many, many will. But they got married, and when they got married, they had this envelope. And what they did was they budgeted their money like all wise couples will do. They budget their money. But they had this envelope, and I, and I swear, every time I'd be over their house, some need would arise, and they'd go to the envelope. And they'd pull out exactly what they needed. And they'd go and they'd take care of it, whatever it was, car repair, house repair. You know, they needed more groceries, something was coming up. And I used to call it the magic envelope. (laughs) I was convinced the thing never ran dry. (laughs) Because I would go over there and something would pop up. Got a flat tire? Hang on. And they'd go over there, go to the envelope, and they'd pull out the money and they'd go buy the tire, right? Or the door would need fixing. And they'd walk in there and they'd go to the envelope and they'd, they'd pull it out, you know? God knows what we need. And he knows we're going to need it. We don't. And so I want us to look at a few things just really quickly this morning. And then I want to call us and challenge us, okay, to the place of decision. Even as a Christian who's been walking the longest, and I don't know who it is, probably going to be Cole Webb, 70 or 71. I always get it wrong. 
70. It's July of 70, I think, right? July of 70. So there it is. Cole's probably been walking with the Lord the longest, and he's going to have to come to a place of decision here this morning. Because grace does not make sense in and of itself. It's this magic thing that it just in our in our little idiot brains that we have, we cannot fathom that we would get all of these things and not deserve them. There's no way if I if I if I am a sinner and if I if I break the, the, the law of God, there's no way I should be given forgiveness. I'm I'm too awful, I'm too terrible. I can throw a stone in this room and hit six different people that would say in a Bible study somewhere that they are the worst of sinners. You follow me? Now we'll say it. We'll make people believe that we believe it. We'll make ourselves believe it. But again, we're going to have to challenge what it is that we believe. So the first blessing that we run into uh, of grace is that we have a position with God. We're no longer like the scab players, the people that aren't deserving. See, you are deserving, right? But you're not deserving. It's Christ that's deserving for you. So the question is, when God looks at you, does he really see his son? And it's not going to be about the things that you do. It's not going to be about, about you getting it right. It's not about you batting 300 or 400. It's about what you believe and what you profess. Who is Christ to you? See, he stands in front of you. See, I'm a sinner. And gang, let me tell you, I struggle. I struggle with grace because, again, it doesn't make sense logically. And I stand before God a sinner. And as the judgment's about to fall, Christ steps right in front of me and says, no. This one's paid for. This one's paid for, so the judgment can't be levied against him. And therefore, it makes me deserving. Because if I tell you that you're deserving and you don't feel like you're deserving, I'm going to say you're about half right, okay? But our position before God changes. <clears throat> our position, our place before him is our, is our standing with God that says we're, we're no longer sinners. We're no longer held accountable to that right because christ paid that penalty do you know that that sin required death to have it paid for but your death wouldn't be good enough you couldn't die and then be granted access to heaven my death wouldn't be good enough it'd be nothing more than the old testament um system of sacrifices even then if we were lucky I feel like some of those sacrifices were a little more without blemish than myself, you know, but your death wouldn't have been enough. So even if you paid for it with your life, you still wouldn't get to heaven. So let's wrap our heads around that one. It took one type. It took one person and the only one that could do it to grant you access. And because he did it and because we didn't deserve it, it makes us deserving of what God has for us. It was the only way it could happen. And that takes a mindset. It takes a mindset that's wrapping its, 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 itself around this concept that says somebody else died in my place. And again, we've heard this a million times, and I feel like we should hear it a million more times because it's going to be so hard for us to get. Because through our faith in Christ, through our faith in who he is, not who he was, who he is, because he lives today. He lives within us today, Right. And so what he does in our lives today, what he did on the cross and what access he granted to us, our mindset is going to dictate everything. So we're justified and we're saved and we're reconciled, all right? That's the baseline. That's where we start, okay? So the question then is how is your mind set? And I said that the way I wanted to. I could ask you, what is your mindset? But then I really want to know, and I think what you really want to know is, how is your mindset? Because the devil and any one of us and some Pharisee out there could come to you and could, and could make an accusation against you, five of them. And would you be guilty? Yeah, you would. 
you would be guilty if an accusation was made against you. The thing that we have to remember, though, is that the penalty was paid. Offering us freedom to no longer have to go back to that, though we choose to do it all the time. But how is your mind set when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to his work on the cross, when it comes to his life that he lived on this earth and what he does for you? How is your mind set? Because however it's set, that's the path you're going to take. You know, bottom line is, people, we do what we want to do. Welcome to free will. He's not going to twist your arm even if he wanted to. You know, he couldn't. He'll throw circumstances and situations at you. He'll bring people into your life. He'll do everything he can to open up your eyes. But, gang, you're going to do exactly what you want to do. The devil don't make you do it. And nobody else in here makes you do anything that you don't want to do. My, my life group just got done talking kind of in part about this as we've been going through Hebrews. But you got to remember, <clears throat> you do exactly what it is that you want to do. So I come back to that. What is your mindset and how is it set? Because how it's set on what Christ did is going to dictate all of your beliefs and therefore all of your actions. All right? Second blessing, we have peace with God. This word actually does mean just simply peace in a time of war. So the struggles, there aren't really aren't any. People aren't really fighting with each other. It's a relative peaceful time, right? And so we have peace with God. We no longer have to struggle with him. But more than that is a solid foundation. And this is important because you can have a solid foundation and you can feel solid on your feet until somebody knocks you. Now, I work in a place that's got a lot of rubble, you know, a lot of pieces of concrete laying around, and I'm constantly walking on that. And when I tell you that when a foundation is not solid, when it's not, it, it makes you really uneasy, and it takes your thought process to not try not to fall. You know what I mean? So there I am walking on all this rubble, and I'm worried about twisting an ankle and doing all these things. And I tell you, I've seen people do it. I've seen people carrying some heavy objects and step on a rock the size of a baseball and it rolled their ankle and down they went. And I've had to pick up trash cans and, you know, concrete slabs off of people because they've fallen, you know, carrying these things. And so, <clears throat> not, not big concrete slabs, but you understand. So, <clears throat> like a concrete slab like this might be 100 pounds or 50 pounds or something. I mean, it's, you know, it's pretty heavy stuff, but... But the, the point is, is that through, through grace, we have this solid foundation that says, I can stand right here, and I don't have to waver. Call me a sinner all you want. Make the accusation all you want. I accept it 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty as charged, you know? But I stand on that foundation that says, but the payment was paid. See, Christ died for me, so I no longer have to believe in all of those lies and no longer have to act as a sinner would act. I no longer have to, you know, be treated as a sinner would be treated because I'm forgiven and I'm reconciled. So then I ask you, how are you standing in Christ? Are you a little bit like on rocky rubble where all I'd have to say is, hey, I saw you today and um, the clerk at the store gave you five bucks too much and change and you knew about it. And you didn't give it back. How are you gonna start? How are you gonna feel? You're gonna feel condemned. You're gonna feel like, you know, I don't have access before God anymore. I'm the sinner and I deserve death. You should. You should feel a sense of conviction that says you're right. But that's not where it ends. And for too many of us, I feel like that's where it ends. Sitting here today, that's where it ends for you. That you feel like, man, I'm that person. I do it knowingly. I, I sin against the Holy Spirit. I sin against God every single day. I'm going to stay here and tell you, I'm, I feel like chief amongst you guys. I stand behind this pulpit so much. And I say to myself, every time I come up behind here, I struggle with the very thing that he has me preaching on. So he's preached it to me long before I'm giving it to you. And I don't feel qualified. And then God reminds me, you're qualified because of my son and because I called you to it. And so I can stand over here and I can, I can struggle with this because I'm, I'm just like you. You know, I'm no different. 
I struggle with these things. All I can try to communicate to you is what God has communicated to me and what I believe he wants to communicate to your heart. We have to stand firm. And if you're not on firm ground, if you're not on the grace that, that, that Christ has given us, that he's offered us, you got to move to that. You've got to find yourself rooted right there on that grace. There's too much in our world. There's too much that we can believe in terms of lies. <clears throat> Blessing three, we have access to him. I pose this question to my group, and I know there will be some um, that will will speak to it affirmatively. But if you had an opportunity to go into the Holy of Holies, if you were right there at the temple, I'm talking right after, right after Christ rose, right after he gave his life and he rose from the dead. I want you to think about this. Would you go in? Now, here you are. This is the culture back then, and you've been raised to know that only one person one time a year entered that place, and you tied a rope around his waist. Okay? This is what you know. And I tell you, I come running up, and I tell you, hey, Jesus rose from the dead. Let's go to the Holy of Holies. And I grab hold of you, and we're going to go. I bet you 90% or better would go just like this. not me. And why not? If you were sitting here thinking, I don't know, I would have doubts if I could. We read through these scriptures and we hear all day long that we have access to the throne room of God. We have access to the Holy of Holies that Christ himself tore that veil to give us access to it. Nobody else, Christ himself told us we would hesitate. And why would we? I'd be interested to see a show of hands. But that's going to be a tricky one to ask. Am I being too pompous if I'm like, yeah, dude, I'd run in there, no problem. I'd run into the Holy of Holies. But the truth of the matter is this, that we still feel that condemnation. We still feel like that's, that's where the end is. I'm a sinner. I can't go in. But you're told to go in. You see, in Hebrews, it, it, the, the writer of Hebrews even tells us, because we have such a great high priest, one who did all these things for us, approach How? confidently boldly the first song that we sang boldly now will i come for me if we're even hesitant to the slightest degree our mindset is shifted we're no longer on the solid foundation of grace and we're now on this performance trap again and we start to run the numbers is my batting average good enough to enter the holy of holies you know how i know it's true I will take a show of hands here. Show of hands, October is what? Six days old. Today's day number six. Raise your hand if you've had a struggle in any way, shape, or form. You've had some kind of difficulty this month. Six days old. There's 90% of hands, okay? Six days old. Now, I'm getting ahead of my own analogy because this is also the very first Sunday in October, all right? But I will tell you this, and I'll hold myself to the, to the first accountability. How many, with those struggles, now either they're real or not, either they're important or they're not, and I'm going to challenge your thinking, if it's not important, then why are you struggling with it? If it doesn't matter, why are you fighting against it? If it does, why aren't you here? Why aren't you up here? When this altar is open, I don't run this, and neither does Meredith. This is not my pay grade, people, because I'm on my knees right with you, right here. You know what I mean? This is governed by that very same grace that I talk about. This is governed by Christ on the cross, and he says, you bring it here. If you're struggling with it, you need to be here. You need to be at the foot of the cross. Every day that Mike preaches or Zach preaches or I get up behind the pulpit, this is open. I'm telling you, bring that struggle here and do your business with God so that he can can get your heart right. And he can get your mind right. He can get your mindset right. This is how I know we struggle because you either stand back here like you can't bring it up here or you won't. And that's a problem either way. It 
why why would you not be able to bring it up here? This man did the one thing that nobody in the world could do. He died to pay the penalty of sin for all people, period. For Christ died once for all, done. He said I, it was finished at the cross. I don't know any other way he has to tell us that it's over. The struggle and the fight is over, except right here. Except within your own heart and listening to a cunning tongue who just knows exactly what button to push, and he pushes my buttons all the time, people. So I can't bring it's invalid, so now it's I won't. And now you're stubborn, and you're leaving that amazing gift and all of its blessings right there. It's sitting right there. You have access to it. God says you're forgiven. Believe in me, right? Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And let me set you free. No longer have to worry about following a, a sinful lifestyle. It's funny. Excuse me. When I talk to people <clears throat> and they will lament about how their life is. Their life is so terrible. They've made all the wrong choices. And yet they continue to go back to them. Even when offered an alternative. I don't know why I do it. Because I'm like that dog that likes to return to its folly. But every once in a while, I'll have this glimmer where I'll go to do the same exact thing and I'll stop dead in my tracks and I'll, and I'll do something different. I'll, I'll just, I'm not doing it again. I'm not going down that road. You know, I'm trying to remember how the, how that, uh, that, that um, story with that Mike would tell about going down the street and falling in the hole and then walking across the street but finding your way back in the hole, day five or whatever it is. I walk down a different street. You know, how many feel like that? Today I want to go down a different street. <laughs> I'm tired of that street and all its holes and all its pitfalls and all of that. And again, it comes to your mindset. Why would you ever doubt that you could bring something up here or that you could walk into the Holy of Holies? I don't I don't ever want to be that guy. I want to be so excited that that Christ offers me access to that place when nobody ever had access before that kind of like John I want to go racing in you know because that's to me that's bold to me that's a bold fella right there that's going to run in and I don't think twice about it and cross the threshold because here you're dead right that's what you were taught your whole life you know that's why they tied the rope around the guy's waist here you're okay and now you're dead because you're a sinner, but all that's gone. It's done away with. You now have access to that. And so it should it should change the way that we think and therefore the way that we act. But what I would like to do is because we, we get ourselves all caught up in our own little truths, you know. <clears throat> so then number four, blessing number four, we have hope. Hope in the glory of God, hope through disappointments, hope through suffering. Here's how it works, gang. We are a time-bound creation, and we have a logic that makes sense to us. Anything outside that logic has to be challenged, okay? Are you a sinner? Am I a sinner? Yes. It's inherent in my DNA. I'm going to have a propensity to do it. It's like the 50-50-90 rule. I'll never forget my very first field time. I walked into a consignment shop, and I saw a plaque on the wall, and the plaque said the 50-50-90 rule. And the 50-50-90 rule goes like this. If a man has a 50-50 shot at getting an answer right, he's got a 90% chance of getting it wrong. <laughs> I'll never forget that plaque. I almost bought it, too. <laughs> but I was on foot, and I was, like, away from my vehicle, and I didn't want to be carrying any extra weight, so I didn't buy it. And so, <clears throat> um, but that's sometimes how we can feel, and that's sometimes how we can act. You guys ever feel like, how can I put this? I used to play this game on my phone, and you would try to select the right card, and there'd be three cards, and you'd select this one, it's the wrong card. And the screen wouldn't change, and then flip back over, and so you'd select this one, it's the wrong card. And then, you know, the screen wouldn't change. And then you'd select, you know, this one, and it's the wrong card. And I used to think that the game was playing with me and was switching them around, and I couldn't see it. 
You know what I mean? And I always got it wrong. So I no longer play that game because <laughs> I feel like it's rigged and it's a trigger, you know, and it's going to make me angry and I'm going to blame the game and that's not going to fly. I'm not going to stand before God and go, have you ever played the game? Like that, that game, I feel like it incites rage and it's not okay. It's like, uh, you know, so that's just not going to fly. So, but sometimes we feel like that. Whatever choice we make is the wrong choice, you know? But we are. We're sinners, and we're going to have that propensity to get it wrong. It's, you know, thank you, Adam. You know? I don't know if I'm going to hug the guy or punch him in the throat when I get to heaven, but I can't punch him in the throat because it's heaven. You know what I mean? So there's there's none of that, right? So, like, I don't know how I'm going to act, right? But, you know, but because of the defect in our DNA, we're going to have that propensity, and that's 100% true. But don't let that be the end. Let that be the beginning because there was hope. And back then, they were looking towards it. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's, he's going to be here. And when he comes, he's going to offer us his freedom. See, we get to read and look back. You know, with one exception, his second coming, we pretty much have the whole picture right here in front of us. You know? And I'm just going to challenge you. If, if you're sitting here today and you say, I'm a believer in Christ, and I believe in grace, then I'm going to say prove it. I'm going to say prove that you believe in grace. Let grace, don't work on grace, let grace work on you. Let me put it like that, okay? Because we're never going to be able to get it right. We don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to us. It's like a tool we don't know how to use. And for guys in here, that's frustrating, right? I have the tool, I just don't know how to use it. You know what I mean? And I know it's got amazing benefits, I just can't get to them. You know what I mean? So I'm going to say to you, let grace work on you. So that more often, you're going to be here. We live in a world that decays more and more by the minute. That's true. We live in a world that's full of such hatred and sin and debauchery. That's true. We're in it, not of it. That's true. But I don't feel like we take that to the next level. Gang, if I had a problem, and I got plenty of them, and there was a place I could take that to get that problem resolved or at least taken from me, away from me, so that I could walk free of that burden, that makes logical sense. How does that not click with you? The burden is heavy. It's slowing you down and driving you crazy. And someone's like, give it to me. I want you to walk free of it. Confidently knowing that you don't have to worry about it anymore. Who in their right mind wouldn't give that away? That makes perfect sense. We just got back from Savannah. I love Savannah. Beautiful little town. <clears throat> So Savannah's laid out kind of interestingly because you go through Savannah, then you have downtown Savannah, all the like hotels and everything, and a lot of your shops are off the riverfront. But the riverfront has like a 30 or 40 foot drop in elevation. And I'm not kidding. I'm talking 30 or 40 feet. Like when you're on the riverfront, you're looking like this at the hotel. You know, like it's that high up. And I'm pushing a stroller that's meant for two babies, and we're walking around. And the babies get tired. Even Micah at six, he gets tired. Oh, Dad, I can't walk. You know? And so they came up with this clever little way to do it. It's got two seats, but it's, it's, it's angled like this towards the front. And there's like a pseudo seat. It's a flat area that's about this big, which just happens to be the size of Noah's rear end. So Micah and Noah decide, well, we can't out the baby because he can't walk so he's got a spot here he's locked in so Micah sits in the other seat and Noah sits on that little flat spot there and now I'm pushing the stroller that's meant for two babies and it's got an extra 40 pounds on it and I'm trying to push it and there's like only a couple of ways to get there this elevator that's the size of a matchbox like it's just a very small little elevator or you could take the rickety 600 year old stairs that are at like a, you know, like an 85 degree pitch, you know, and they're like this big. Like I couldn't fit by myself, just, you know, much as a stroller. And then there's a driving lane. 
And I thought the driveway is kind of cool, but it's on a bunch of like cobblestone. So it's not even like flat. <laughs> you know? And there's me trying to push it. That's a lot of work, people. I was looking around every corner. Let somebody come here. Let me help you out, buddy. Please. Please, I'll meet you at the top if I can make it that far. God bless Sarah. She tried. She made like nine steps, and she was like, let's just buy a house here. I don't know. Like right here, we'll just build a house around the riverfront. You know? And I was like, I get it, man. You know, we get to the ice cream shop like we just crawled through the Sahara Desert. You know? And then I can't even rest there because Micah hurts himself. You know, he wants to put a little hole in his head. And I'm like, how does this even happen? I don't, you know, that's the classic. I need a vacation after my vacation. You know what I'm talking about? Like, but my point is, having pushed that stroller with them three kids in it through all of that, I don't care. It could have been a stranger. And I'd be like, yeah, take it. Take it. It's just it's too much. It's too heavy. Gone. You know, I need a break. I need a break. But who wouldn't who wouldn't take that that offer from someone that says I know it's too heavy and you're not going to be able to t- to deal with it, you know? That's why I want you to give it to me, you know. And he gives you his burden in return, which is which is nothing. It's like a bunch of air. It's like here, take my burden. Well, there's nothing there. That's my point. You know, there's nothing there. Give me the heavy lifting, and you walk free of it. Why wouldn't you jump at that opportunity? That's what all of this is meant for. It's not about coming here and singing sick songs and listening to a guy preach at you for 40 minutes. Because if that's what you're here for, man, I have so led you wrong. You got to hear the message through the words. That's my prayer for you. My words are fallible completely. My prayer for you is that you hear the message that's embedded in it, okay, and that you take it to that next level. Don't come here and listen to me preach at you. Don't come here and listen to Mike preach at you because you're missing it. Come here and listen to what God is saying to you. And if he's proven anything, he uses the most fallible resources ever. Tax collectors, prostitutes, murderers. These are the people that he used. But they had to come to that place of decision for him. I want grace. I need it. You know? And that's the whole point behind it. You need grace. He knew you needed grace, and now he gives it to you. I struggle with giving it. In in relationships, you know, with my kids, with my wife, so many times I can be selfish. And something can happen, and I don't want to extend a grace to somebody. And then all this week and last week, I'm going through it. I'm pouring myself over this, and I'm like, God, what do you want to communicate to them? You know, grace is free because you could never afford it. Not in a million years could you afford it. So he gave it to you for free. He paid for it. And I don't know anything that would break my heart more than to know that somebody needs something and to give it to them and them not use it. And I don't mean like I would be mad. Like I'd be sad. So there's Zach with that tool with all those benefits and he can't get access to them because he don't know how to use it. And I walk up and I go, hey, bud, these instructions might help you to use that. And Zach goes, I don't need your instructions. And yet, the whole time, he's not reaping the benefits of his life being so much more, you know, less burdened, you know, and I would break my heart. I know what I would do. I'd go grab that balled up piece of paper. Zach, here you go, buddy. Here's your instructions, man. And every time, because if Zach's like me, he's going to ball it up every time. I don't need your stupid instructions, okay? I'm going to figure this out on my own. That's, but I know Zach. I can say it with Zach because Zach and I are we're contemporaries in life, are we not, friend? And he and I get it, you know? And so he's just like I am. And and so he'd be the first one to tell you, yeah, I know I need it. But there's too much pride in here. And I want other people knowing I need the instructions and all that kind of stuff. But, man, once you look at him, you go, of course. 
All I had to do was what I was doing in reverse. Perfect. <laughs> that makes absolute sense right now, doesn't it? You know? And then Zach's going to take the instructions, and he's going to give them to somebody else. And he's going to, hey. But, but people, if you needed grace, and again, that's true. We would all say that. Because who's going to raise their hand and go, you know what? As a Christian, I really don't. Doing pretty good, you know. I'm feeling all right about myself. My batting average is 400. I'm not doing all that bad. <clears throat> Nobody's going to say that because that's about the stupidest thing you could say, you know, in a group of Christians, right? So either one, you're lying and you got bigger problems than you realize. And you're completely like you're the wolf in sheep's clothing and you don't know it. <laughs> like you got some deep problems if that's you. Yeah, so, or, or the other thing is true, and you're just too afraid to bring it up here. You're too afraid to take on that grace. And why would you be? Does that make sense to anybody here? It doesn't make sense to me. If far too long I did it, I'm still longer in the world than I am in the kingdom. And as I get closer to that balancing point where I'm about equal, you know, I don't know, I kind of look forward to that because I feel like for me that's my big place of decision. Okay, so I've done the world the same amount of times I've done the kingdom. Now I've got a true comparison to, to right before me. What am I going to do? Because now my next step is either back to what I know is garbage, you know, or to a future that for all intents and purposes is relatively vague and undecided, but only in my mind. Because my future is written in Christ. So I may not know all the funky transitions about how to get there. I don't know how many valleys and hilltops. But I know this. The destination is far better than where I just came from. So when I get to that place for me, I hope to be like, see you. And I'm going to go right over here. You know what I mean? And so for you, I really want to challenge you because if it is true, and I know it is because I'm, I'm, I'm not an idiot. I'm, I'm just like you are. You know, there's nothing real special about us. We all think the same exact way. You know, we're all people. Okay? We're all humans. Right, Brian? All of us are humans. Brian reminds us of us every time you wish a salutation to Brian. See you later, human. You know? Whenever I uh, change Hudson, I'll always do a belly button check. And that's how I, I was telling him, oh, you're still human. Okay. You know, <clears throat> but, um, but it is true. But the only thing is, is we don't take it up here. We don't take it to the foot of the cross. What are you afraid of? Anybody ever seen this before? One person approaches the, the altar. And then two. And then five. And then 11. Right? We just need that, that first person to, to be the gutsy one to come up here, you know. What's gutsy about it? <laughs> come up here because I can use a cough drop over there. I can be healed up here. Hello. Hello. <clears throat> I don't want the cough drop because the cough drop's already gone in my mouth. And what am I still doing? I'm still coughing. I need to be healed. I need to take on that grace. And you need that grace. And this is what it's all about right here, folks. There's your proof. This celebration doesn't happen if the act didn't happen. Right? Otherwise, we're a bunch of liars. And I ain't no liar. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to give my life for something that wasn't true. That just don't make sense to me. So, newsflash, what am I going to give my life for? It better be real. You know? Just like Peter. Right? Like Paul, all these other guys out there, Christian brothers today that are giving their lives for the cause of the kingdom. It's real. And we celebrate it right here. That's your proof. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember Christ every day. Let's remember the cross. Let's remember the grace that he gives us, the forgiveness, the reconciliation. That word reconciliation, by the way, at the end of chapter 5 <clears throat> is the word change. Or like exchange. The whole exchange life thing. See, Jesus could say this. I'm not a sinner. You're a sinner. He could say that. And only he could say that. Which is why he's the only one that also could do this. 
Do what you got to do. Do what you came to do. You know, devil thought he won. He was sorely mistaken. And he took you right out of the line, out of the, the firing squad and put you in a safe place. And he suffered the consequences. Came back from him too. Because that's God rich in mercy. That's God full of grace wanting to give it to us. He came back from that. And he goes, now it's over. And if, I don't want to speak for him, but it's kind of like, so now what are you going to do? See, it's all done. It's over. Except in your heart. So what's going to happen in your heart? Are you going to make this all true? Are you going to accept the reality of grace? Are you going to accept it and come up here and let it do what it's meant to do and let it work on you and start to take off all those burdens and all those things that just drive you crazy and make you feel heavy laden, you know? You're going to lay them down and walk in grace. And by walking in grace, you extend grace to so many people. Everybody that's out there, you no longer harbor these these hurtful feelings and ill feelings and you want to give grace to people because you just realize how amazing it really is salvation and grace and reconciliation and to no longer be guilty you know what an amazing feeling that is you know and you want other people to experience it so you start giving it out you know that's my challenge and that's a decision that only you can make so you can't make it for me and I can't make it for you. But together we can make that decision and be up here. If you don't know Christ, then get up here and get to know him. You know, if you've never truly embraced grace and, and just what it really is, then get up here and, and work it out with Jesus. Because you're carrying a burden that you don't got to carry. And it's too heavy. Man, let it go. We got bigger things to worry about. Like the guy next door who doesn't know about it. And I want him so desperately to know about it. And here's how I know it's true. Last night, well, well we were challenged at our leadership meeting to pray for your life group. And pray for the church and, you know, have a lifestyle that says, man, I believe in Jesus. And I really want people to, to come to that saving knowledge of him. So last night, Sarah and I on our date night, and we're praying. And we prayed that, like, give us opportunity today, you know, right now, to be able to minister. And I'm going to tell you, seconds later, the opportunity presented itself. And I thought, how cool is that? You know, it's not always like that, but it really is cool when it happens like that. You know, I almost feel like a magic trick. The Lord, give me a pair. All right. You know, but like give me an opportunity to, to minister to somebody, and there it is. You know, folks, friends, I love you too much to not tell it to you. And I won't stop talking to you about it and trying to, you know, understand it more myself. But I know this to be true. Can't and won't just don't fly. You know, won't, you're stubborn, can't, well, let me just not say it. Let me take a different street. <laughs> but I'd have some really, really harsh words for you, you know. If you can't bring it up here and you sit here and say you're a Christian, <laughs> you missed, like, this entire book. Thousands of pages of grace, 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 you know. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for me. And I want you guys to get it. All right? Father, I do love you, and I thank you for grace. I thank you that you offer it to us. I thank you that, that we couldn't afford it. Because if we could afford it, man, we boast in ourselves and our ability to afford it. But that no man may boast, we couldn't afford it, and you gave it. You just said it's free, and here it is for you. And I ask God for each of us here this morning that we would grapple with that. And that when we stand back in our chairs and back in our pews, I ask God that whatever burdens we still carry, we would lay them at your feet, God. And we would embrace that which you give us, a life of freedom, freedom of sin, freedom of having to carry all that baggage that you take it from us, Lord. And I ask God that you'd write that on our heart, that you would imprint it on our brain, 
that Father, it'd be the inescapable truth that we would actually employ. We would actually use it. I ask God we'd stop tossing to the wayside the most important thing, which is we were undeserving, unqualified, couldn't afford it, and yet you deemed us as worthy. That Christ, you took all of that on yourself to offer it to us. May we this morning stop grieving your heart and start truly lifting up this grace and taking it for what it is and, and, and finding ourselves released in your kingdom, free to, to walk with you in all you have for us, God. And that's in valleys as well as on mountaintops. Times will be tough, but when there's grace, we're so filled with love and hope. We look to the future because we know that the end destination is so amazing. And it pales, over here, pales in comparison to this over here. We don't want to go back. We want to keep going towards you. We want to keep learning more about grace and having it fill more of our lives. And so I pray for those that are afraid, those that are stubborn. Break through all of that, that we would be free, confident, bold to enter this most holy place, God, this holy of holies, the very throne room of which, God, you seat us at your right hand. You even give us that place of honor because of your son, Jesus. I still can't truly, fully understand just how amazing Christ is. That he even offers me a place of honor after all I've done, after all that we've done. But then again, that's grace. I just pray, Jesus, that you continue speaking to us today and let our lives be marked. Everywhere we go, we leave footprints of grace and mercy, footprints of Christ, wherever we go. And those footprints, so powerful because of who you are, Jesus, it changes lives. That because we left a mark, that said, here was a follower of Christ. I've been with Jesus. Speak tenderly to us, Lord. And do that deep, hard work with us in Jesus' name. Amen.